Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 80 with Joseph Marcos and Joseph Bievenu. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. Okay, so we're here in the back, and we are doing a Redux episode with Lee Tiger. <laughs> What's the name of this place? I, there's no name for it yet, man. Okay. I, I thought I got some message saying the Omni Center. No, the Omni Center? The Omni Center? That's what are you talking about? Like the, no. uh, I so think that's like... opening a- up an <laughs> Omni Center somewhere. Omni Center. Isn't that the name of like? Uh, isn't that already the name of something? Isn't that like a stadium or something? I'm just saying what I remember. Very strange. You've what? Just been calling it Nola DNA Studios? I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. you know. But I don't know. Maybe I'll change the name, and maybe we'll have a name for this little bar back here. Maybe we'll have a name for the print shop up front. I don't know. I haven't made up my mind yet. Who knows? Yeah. So we're back in the we're in the back of the not Omni Center, uh, but we're in the back of uh, <laughs> the studios of Nola DNA. Here we are in this beautiful 1896 building on Oritha Castle Haley, and we have with us today a guest that uh, has been on the show once before in uh, in, an, in another with another personality, wearing Monica. a different mask. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Monica. I'm just kidding. It's just a mess. Yeah. No, he wears, he wears a different mask. Every wears time a different mask every time. <laughs> We don't actually this time around. We don't even know who is behind the mask, but he's back from travels abroad to give us a little piece of that poetry crust from traveling around the world. A little bit of that bread. You know, my friend. He traveled to 100 countries before he was like 25, and he recorded the price of a loaf of bread in every place that he was going. And he would always do this thing. He actually did not just bread. He did like bread, milk, toothpaste, a bottle of water. And he wrote down the prices mm. in the years. And it was an interesting comparison of all these different ways that the cultures valued their basis thing, mm. ba- their basic things, you know. Um, but we have with us Lee Tiger today. How you Hello, doing? Hello, gentlemen. How you doing, Lee? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, who, else, who else uses, uh, you know, who's that? Mark Twain, right? Yeah, yeah, Samuel Clemens. Samuel Clemens. Everyone has to have. Not, everyone has to have some student. Cassius Clay. Yeah, well, that was for religious purposes. Yeah, well, this is for blues purposes. Yeah, the purpose of blues, <laughs> the religion blues, of blues. Yeah. yeah, Bernard Pierce is not the bluesiest name. Bernard Pierce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, you were, but you, but you recently, you, you were just, you know, I, I don't know. I heard the story about you getting trapped in Paris. Can we roll into that a little bit? Well, you know, I travel on a very tight budget, which leaves little room for error. And I was in England uh, with a flight scheduled to Paris and then uh, a flight direct to New York. End of the trip. End of the trip, right? It's a few days in England, a few, few days in London, uh, fly to Paris, not even leave, don't, I, wouldn't, I wasn't even going to leave the airport and then fly to New York. Trip done. Well, I missed my flight. There's a time change between London and Paris. It's an hour difference. So I'm sitting in the, in the Charles de Gaulle thinking I've got plenty of time, uh, kind of observing, observing the locals, just kind of taking my time. I, wait, I make my way to the desk. The desk has been shut for five minutes. 
and uh, I don't have a boarding pass. I can't get through security. There's nothing they can do for me uh, at the airport. Even talk to the airline. Nothing they can do, right? So I'm stuck. I've got maybe three, four hundred dollars on me. Not enough to buy a ticket and then survive a couple of weeks in New York as I planned. So I said, okay, I'll take my money and I'll, I'll go to Paris and try to figure things out. Uh, booked a room at the St. Christopher's Inn Hostel, which is strange because before I left, I got a St. Christopher's medal from F and F Candle. Yeah, <laughs> and then they closed while you're gone. <laughs> well, they all died. Yeah, not that they didn't just close. Yeah, the guy I bought it from died. Yeah, and he was a friend because I go to and talk to him about you know I say I told him where I, where I was going. Yeah, he was yeah. Interested. You know, I said, oh, I'm going to Bulgaria. I'm going, oh, really? I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm going to pick up some medals, you know, some, some protection. And he, he offered the St. Christopher medal to me. And then while I was traveling, he died. And then the, the FNF candle, I don't know if you guys ever went into Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great, great, a great place. And uh, he was a sweet guy. But, uh... Yeah, so I had this medal with me the whole time, and I ended up staying at the St. Christopher Inn Hostel. And uh, then I ended up meeting, uh, through the power of the internet, some uh, musicians, this uh, street painter here in New Orleans, Madonna, introduced me to Pascal. And we talked, had a cup of coffee, and uh, you know, shared our love of music, and he invited me to play with him on the street. So for 15 days, I was there for 15 days waiting for a cheaper flight to come up, which I could afford. And I, I, I played 10 concerts nice. with Pascal's band. On the streets? On the streets of Paris, Rue de Bussy, on that particular spot, and made about $50 a day. Nice. Yeah. Not a bad rate. Not bad. It's for money coming in. Half, really, yeah. For an hour and a half of singing. That was it? An hour yeah, and a half of singing? An hour and a half. And, uh, and maybe round trip, but travel three hours. What'd y'all, what what music y'all do? We did a lot of New Orleans classics. So there's a clarinet player by the name of Bernard. He's about 80 years old. Pascal on guitar. Uh, Pascal is in the 60s. And his son, Laurent, um, on bass. And there was a lovely woman who I sang some duets, duets with um, named Audra. No, Audra. Audra. Was their was their vocalist? Now, when they when she's with them, they're like uh, the Debussy boys, and when they're alone, they're the Bumble boys. So with me, they were the Bumble boys, and we were the Bumble boys. And now we have plans to continue playing music together, and and they want to record. They they uh, they actually uh, love my songs, my original songs, and then we did some classic New Orleans songs like "I'll Fly Away" and. Uh, down by the riverside, and what, do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? They, they knew all those songs, and then they, they, uh, they loved my blues tune called Hard Liquor. And so um, <laughs> we sang that one, and that was it. I mean, people were stopping, it was great. We were surrounded by restaurants and the three sides of us, and I back to a wall. And the, I mean, they'd been singing on Rue DBC for 20, 30 years. Well, not even 20, 30, 30 plus years. So you were, you were meant to get stuck in Paris to it meet was, these it guys. Was it was yeah. great. It was not, I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't want to go because I didn't want to really, I'd been to Paris before and I, I didn't really want to go because it's, it's one of those places um, 
I didn't want to be in again and, uh, and be alone there. Yeah. You know, Why is that? Why is that? It's something that, you know, it is a, and not to sound cliche, but it is a very romantic city. It's yeah, a yeah. Beautiful city. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, and there's something about it, you know, that, that everything is gorgeous. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, Makes you want to curl up next to a honey? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's nice to, you know, walk, have a companion, you know, and share a meal with and or do whatever it is. It's a romantic city. I mean, I sat along the canal. Um, I don't know what section of the... Which aren't as small you're in? Which aren't as small you're in? I don't know. I don't know. I know it was off the number seven train, uh, north of uh, Guard Less. And um, I was there, and there were just people lined up, you know, with beers and wine, and just sitting on the canal. And this, uh, I did write a poem about this one redheaded woman who chose her seat in front of me. And I'm just sitting on a bench looking at the canal. She sat down, singular, alone. And she sat at the canal, and you know I never saw her face, but she was uh, kind of a gorgeous figure, and um, she never knew I existed, but I certainly knew she existed, and that red hair was just flowing in the breeze, and she must have been like six foot tall, maybe she was a model <laughs> or something, and she had a few bags with her, and we sat there together, you know. Uh, you know, separate, but together in some way. And she got up to leave, and uh, it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, just a gorgeous afternoon, and then there was a couple in love to the left of her, and they were facing each other, and they were just too, too you know, it's just one of those cities, you know, where yeah, yeah. you see that you know, people aren't in, in such a, a hurry, you know, they, uh, you know, they relax, you know, and they, they don't have to have a, a reason, you know. Did you run into poetry on the street? Did you write a lot? Did you, I did uh, write a lot. I did write a lot there. I wrote about that one redhead, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah, in, in Paris, but I took a lot of photos. I was taking a lot of photographs of uh, little details of things, like moss growing on through bricks and textures and peeling paint and just things. Uh, it's a series I hope to sh exhibit one day. Um, I don't know how that will translate, because I took, took, one, uh, took the photos on a very cheap phone. But uh, they, they, they post them on Instagram. <laughs> there. And uh, yeah, it was like, uh, what was it? Treasures and hidden sites. The low quality can be part of the aesthetic. Yeah, well, I enjoyed. I yeah. enjoyed. You know, I grew up in a dark room with my father. He was a, uh, an accomplished photographer, but he died at 39, right after finishing building his master dark room. He got it all together. He had all this equipment. I mean, he must have put in. A, you know, this was like 82, so he must have put in 200,000 dollars into this dark room, and uh, then he died. Uh, and so I, I never really uh, got into photography because all the chemicals and the processing 
But, you know, I had some time and I was traveling, I had some free time in between the gigs. So I did a lot of, you know, snapshots and little details. And, uh, yeah, I went, I went to Shakespeare and Company, a great old bookstore. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Lined That's up a, a residency place. there. And kind of, you know, they were like, yeah, we, you know, I sent them my two chapbooks. And uh, they said, you know, they would they'd love to have me there. So that was a good, uh, you know, they, they offer, I, I think, an indefinite residence. Yeah, you should, uh, I mean, Ben talked about that with us, I think. Yeah, he did episode. talk about it. You should talk to him about Is he that, local? Yeah. Is he local? Yeah. He's here? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love his contact information. It'd be great to Yeah, he did that, I think, for a month. He did that. Okay, he yeah. did it. And, like, he can tell you a little bit about the experience of it. Yeah, and, I and definitely yeah. want to stay He home. went into the whole thing, I guess, like, because I guess the, the guy who originally owned it, it's now his daughter... That runs it. Oh, runs it. Okay, she's and, lovely. Uh, yeah, also yeah. a red head. Also a red head. Also <laughs> a tall red head. Maybe so, it's yeah. the same woman. So yeah, you know, we Maybe talk about. Just happened to be sitting yeah. in front of you with some baggage yeah. right before. Um, we, so we talk about uh, we talk about a little bit about travel and about these things sort of like put us uh, in these uh, weird places with um, with language. So you were in Bulgaria. And I can imagine that that's, you know, because I don't have really access to that. And I think, like, when I'm in certain countries, it's easier than other countries. But, you know, how'd you get on? Did you, did you, you Well, know? I was terrified for about a week. Um, after I was traveling with a fellow poet, this guy Jim Trainer came out with me and then he departed. Uh, I don't think travel suits him very much. Uh, <laughs> suits him very well. So he, he ended his trip a, a bit early. And... Um, I was there for a month, and a week out of that month, I was in Sofia, and I kind of was isolating myself because it was really intimidating, you know, the language aspect of it. Uh, but I, but I, I overcame that, and I think it was it was exhaustion and a bit of anxiety. And uh, but once I got over it, it was great. I met some fellow artists and some. Um, you know, per art arts uh, event producer. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a great, it's a great city. It's a beautiful city, and it's really inexpensive. And I went to two blues clubs, and I actually sang Lee Tiger, my blues songs, <laughs> at those two blues clubs, Delta Blues Bar and Patches Blues Bar. Yeah. In Sofia, and it was great. And it was, it was great also because so many people were warning me about Bulgaria. Oh man, they're racist there. You know, and the thing is, yeah, I'm a black guy from Louisiana, right? And so I know racism pretty intimately. <laughs> you know, it's not a surprise to me. I've seen the ugly face of racism. I mean, I grew up in Bro Bridge, uh, the birthplace of the Knights of the White Camellia is Franklin, Louisiana. So that's about a, you know, a 45 minute drive from, you know, where I was born in St. Martin Parish. So it's not like a foreign concept to me. but you know, and the thing is, there was zero of it directed towards me in Bulgaria. Zero. And, I'm, you know, I, I don't really know much about their history. I, mean, I think they have, a, they, have a, they were um, under the power of the Ottoman Empire for 500 years. And then, you know, there's some issues with, uh, with, their, with Bulgaria and, and, and the relationship between the, the Roma people, or what we sometimes refer to as the gypsy people. Um, but I think that's a problem all over Europe. Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah, a, yeah. a problem. So it wasn't anything overt. I, sit, I did see the odd swastika yeah, here and yeah. there. But it wasn't an official swastika. 
It was like spray painted on Spray's the wall by 15 yeah, yeah, yeah. kid. Same thing. Because there's a resurgence of that stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, but I think it's it like, was, yeah, but it it's, wasn't, you know. It wasn't anything that was uh, shocking or, you know, yeah, nothing yeah. that you wouldn't see in, in anywhere. the world. Yeah. Or anywhere, <laughs> right? Um, it's, like, it's the History Channel. Everybody knows everything about the Nazis. What did uh? What, <laughs> what was like Bulgaria's like? How is how are poets to them? Like, what is their attitude towards? Poets? You know, that's something I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm curious to discover. I'm going back next uh, July in the hopes of p- purchasing a piece of property there because I saw that was my whole mission. Yeah, to yeah. Go and like I had this concept in my head, and then I needed to go there on the ground and see if the concept. Uh, had any grounding in reality, and, and in fact, it did because the houses there are great. The village I went in the middle of nowhere, this village called uh, Marslarvo, and it's famous for its honey. And uh, yeah, I found a home that I found several homes that you could buy because Bulgaria has become depopulated. Yeah, because once yeah. they joined the European Union, a lot of their young, mobile people last in left to work, yeah, yeah. and then that's a uh, uh, um. Uh, Brexit is actually a result of of that. You know, the Polish people going into England, the Bulgarians, and lots of other people yeah, they don't like going those. into England. And, yeah. You know, kind of frightened some of the older established English English uh, people, and uh, and then you have Brexit as a as a you know reaction. But um, yes, I don't know about poetry. I they're great musicians. There's so so much it was music. more it more like the music stuff came up. Well, I just I mean that's stuff. what yeah, I yeah. discovered. Yeah, like yeah, I said, yeah. You know, language. I don't speak the language, and that's a challenge. It's like you know, I wrote, I wrote yeah. a lot about that too. Like this whole year, I've been traveling. I've been traveling since November. I've only spent two months in New Orleans this entire year because um, I was in Asia uh, for four months, Asia and Australia, January to April. And in New Orleans, May and June, and then I left July to our to October to October. So I'm just coming back, and uh, yeah, the language has been an issue. Like the beauty of it, the the trap, the gift, and the trap <laughs> uh, of language, because it's like a prison. And if you don't speak the same language, it's like it limits everything. It's like it can it can cripple you. Yeah, not yeah. And it's uh, but you know when when you're or you could be a master of it, or it could be a master of you, and and, and that's the, um, but yeah, so I don't know about the Bulgarian uh, literary history, you know, their, their tradition. Um, I do know uh, somewhat uh, some, uh, about the music of Bulgaria, and it's a beautiful, unique, uh, unique music. I mean, it's just so beautiful. As a matter of fact, um, I went with the, um, there was a coincidence that a local band in New Orleans called Blato Zlato. They sing Bulgarian. They play Bulgarian music. <laughs> so we were talking. I run south of them in Siberia from time to time, and it came up in conversation that they were going to Bulgaria. And well, I was scheduled to go to Bulgaria too. We ended up being in Bulgaria at the same day, July 9th. What? Yeah, yeah. And I set up a concert for them in Marslarbo on the 12th of July because the village that I was going. To yeah, yeah, in. yeah. So through my friend Adam, we set up this concert, and like. About 80 people from the village came out. It was wonderful. <laughs> but that first day, the ninth, they were playing music at the the U.S. ambassador to Bulgaria's residence. Is you know their official. Yeah, residence. yeah, yeah. So we were there, 
he's pouring me wine and asking, like, what the hell am I doing in Bulgaria? And I said, well, I want to do an uh, artist in residency program there, and I'm checking out property, you know, and see if it's feasible. And he's like, yeah, we, we've, got, we've got funds for that. You know, and he, nice. he introduced me to the uh, cultural attaché uh, from the U.S. Embassy, and, and you know, gave me his email and his wife's email. And, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, so on you're the first gonna... day, <laughs> you know, for day one. So it was great. And then, uh, yeah, we went up to the village and I met the mayor. And after uh, Blato Zlato played, uh, and they don't even understand most of what they're singing, the singers. Oh, so they just learn the songs, but most of them don't know Bulgarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, none of them know Bulgarian. None of them did. (laughs) the drummer, and it's not like her band. Uh, Boyana is the drummer of the band. And so, but it wasn't, she didn't form the band. They just, because they love that music. Huh. And none of them are Bulgarian. That's interesting. Yeah, so after this concert, we're back at my friend Adam's house and saying, you know, I asked, I'm like, I don't know why the hell I'm in Bulgaria. <laughs> okay? I don't know what path, what circumstances have led me to this village in the middle of nowhere, which it is, it's south of Romania, middle of nowhere. People from, you know, no one goes there on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, either they're from there or that's it. No one's traveling to, to this village. And um, I asked him, like, why are you here? Are your parents Bulgarian? What's your connection? And they're like, yeah, they never would have thought about it. You know? Weird. And I was like, why are we all here? So th- that was my experience. And, I, and, and what happened with the, the mayor of Marsloro, she came out with six other, so we're all surprised, with six other local women, and they started singing thank you songs to Blato Zlata, <laughs> which means swamp gold. The name Blatoslav. Wow, that's a, that's. I mean, that's a cool sounding name, Blatoslav. Yeah, it yeah, sounds yeah. like. Uh, yeah, and they did a big thing. I mean, they were like on national television there, and I really don't have any association with them, except that they I, just I, happened to be there they while you were there. To be there, and, I, and they're from New Orleans, yeah, so and I, yeah. and I was able to sort of uh, set up this concert for them, uh, and you know, I kind of uh, there's a little tension there because. Uh, there was, you know, language, and I think it wasn't communicated exactly what they needed. Yeah, uh, yeah, technically yeah. Well, yeah. You know, so the mayor said, oh, I have a sound system, but it's actually a pair of computer speakers. So when we got <laughs> there, yeah, and they're all looking at me like I'm a devil. And I'm like, like look. Oh, this, you know? this is our, this is our uh, amplification right. system. But thank God my friend Adam had a karaoke machine. And uh, so you they had... Um, hook that up. Yeah, and they, they, they had some, some yeah. equipment that they patched everything together. And I mean, the concert brought tears to my eyes. You know, it was really beautiful. Well, that sounds like a, like a pretty magical experience. It was. It was definitely magical. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and uh, I don't know. I'm, so you're going to start this... You're going to start this artist yeah, residency yeah, in, yeah. in Bulgaria. That would yeah, be cool. The property I was looking at was all like $20,000 and under. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And not for a fixer-upper, for a nice... For a nice property. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in fact, people were living in the houses that I, uh, that I, that I uh, viewed. So, yeah, it's, it's reasonable. It's something feasible. It's not like coming out with, the, you know, 250 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, people do every day, but for 20 grand... Well, yeah, yeah somehow. <laughs> yeah, somehow. I mean, I'm not interested uh, 
Well, it'll be interesting when you figure out, like, I wonder what their, like, attitude towards... I mean, so that's good. They've got a nice music base. I wonder what their attitude towards writing is, what their attitude towards artists are. But, I mean, it almost seems like almost everywhere is a little more uh, supportive of that than the U.S. is. (laughs) So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I know there was a, a journalist that was just murdered there. Yeah. Last yeah. week, it was I saw a that. Yeah. Murder of a journalist. So that was frightening. That's the first news, negative news I've heard. He's missing, right? And and no, no, and that's another guy. That's a different guy. A, yeah, this is a journalist from uh, in Bul- a Bulgarian journalist that was raped and murdered. Well. Yeah, and I think they've made an arrest. But uh, actually, but is that related to? I mean, journalism. Well, sure. They think there's a connection. Uh, it's not yeah. clear. It just happened. Yeah. So that's a bit. That's a bit. You know. Whoa. You know. Frightening. Well, it's probably more than ever a very frightening time to be a journalist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More than any time in our lifetime, for sure. Yeah. I mean. There's definitely a war on journalism, journalists right now in, in many different ways. But, uh, yeah, so you go over there, you're working, so you're, you're, you're thinking about, uh, how, I mean, how, so the experience over there was, you know, different than Asia, okay? So you were, like, in Asia, and, and, and did you do poetry in Asia, or did you... Uh, yeah, I did some music, and I was saying it, this great blues bar. That's the thing that I've discovered. Everybody loves the fucking blues. They love it. Like, yeah, I went yeah. to some of the best blues bars... I've ever been to it. I'm from here. Yeah. I've been to Mississippi Duke joints. I've been to backwoods Louisiana, you know, swamp throwdown places, you know, that are just genuine as real as they come. And these places, this place in Bangkok is at Adhere the 13th was the name of it. And there are like people I knew on the walls, like Trombone Shorty, his freaking poster was on the wall, <laughs> you know, and it was a real blues band. And the bands were amazing. Like they had the right equipment. Like they, you could you put that here to the thirteenth on Frenchman Street, and it would be the best blues bar there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, and in time, and they loved it. And I sang there, and they loved my song. They were actually singing along to an original song, <laughs> a mine that they never heard. <laughs> like the second verse, they're singing with me. That's how responsive. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're they weren't, they were listening, attentive, and they caught the rhythm, and they're singing along. It's a song called Hard Liquor. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And the same thing in Vietnam, great blues bars there. Uh, same thing in Bulgaria, in Sofia, the capital, I went to two. How's the song go? Hard Liquor? Yeah. Hard Liquor Don't Kill Me. Hard Liquor Don't Kill Me. Hard Liquor Gonna Kill Me. It's gonna be the death of me. Well, I like my drink strong and brown. Hey, bartender, another round. Keep them coming, don't slow down. Hard liquor for me. Well, that hard liquor don't kill me. Hard liquor don't kill me. It's gonna be the death of me. 
on the second verse there. Yeah, I can see it. Well, but it's, yeah, there's something they identify with. Right. Yeah, you know. That hard liquor. You need any hard liquor? We got some hard liquor behind the bar over there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I think it's interesting to talk about, you know, being trapped in language and travel. And I think for me, you know, I, I've had those scary moments, but I've also had these moments of inspiration where I've been able to do nothing but survive in my language, mm. you know, and be in a place. And one of my early translation professors really was digging, was, was uh, reminded us about translation. And when you're in a foreign country, Things you can do to really, you know, um, uh, to get, make yourself feel more comfortable. He's like, get a magazine, get a newspaper, pick up some print, look, try to read it, try to figure something out. I mean, with the with the uh, with the with the Cyrillic alphabets, a little tricky. With the different alphabets, a little tricky. With the with the uh, iconographic alphabets, it's really tricky. You know, so I could Asia for me would be more uh, challenging than than say like um, when I went to Uruguay. We're going back next month, but I open up a menu. And I can pretty much figure out what sure. is in the menu. If you're in Asia, I, I think it's a lot more difficult. I can't imagine that Thailand had English with it. And maybe it was English with it in the menu. Maybe not. I don't know. Not where I was. Yeah, not where you were. Yeah. Okay, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Okay, and you're, uh, uh, yeah, so it's just expected there that everyone's speaking the language. But I think for me, it's been interesting to be in different countries and cities and, and uh, trying to really submerse myself in understanding something, you know. And then there's that thing that your, your, your brain plays tricks on you sometimes when you're in a foreign country and you're there for a few days and you start thinking you're hearing stuff that you're not. Right. You're like, oh, I can understand what they're saying, but then you, you don't. It's just your mind is attempting to make uh, a meaning from sounds. Did you experience that at all? I know one thing that, I, that years ago when I was in Amsterdam, it's like 1998, I got really high. <laughs> oh, really? That'll do it. <laughs> I can hear everything they're saying. I'm space cakes. I had a panic attack. Okay. But what? The reason why I had a panic attack? The international symbol for choking. Everyone knows that. That's this. No, no, seriously. I got there because I. It brought me back to my childhood when, before I understood language before I could read language. So all the letters were foreign to me and all the sounds were foreign. And it brought me back to that feeling like being in my grandmother's house, uh, maybe as a two-year-old, as a three-year-old. You know, something that I hadn't experienced consciously for a long time. And I figured it out. It was like, because that's when it brought me back. It brought me back to that three years old at my grandma's house because there's a painting that she had in her house that was also in the uh, Van Gogh Museum of Jesus and, uh, being held in Mary's arms. The Pieta. Is that it? Well, I mean, after after he's off yeah, the yeah, cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah. That was, and that was in the Van Gogh Museum. And when I saw that, I freaked out and I had to sit on the lawn for like five hours, you know, to get sober and <laughs> to, to recover from that panic attack. But that's, that painting, it's like, it all came back to me, like not knowing, not understanding words or, or, or letters, you know. And it took me a long time to figure out what had happened, but I'm sure that's, you know. But I mean, I think that's part of the, the, I mean, it can be scary, but that's like, sometimes that isolation of not being part of the language is nice and so No, it's nice. It's yeah, just it's like, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it can be a, <laughs> yeah. 
it triggered a, a you know this weird uh, sensation that felt like super yeah yeah uh, yeah what yeah you call that deja vu yeah yeah like, yeah what is going on well with but that's the but that's the know? interesting thing about it right like because we we are immersed in language all the time and we mm-hmm. forget about it right so when you're put in this position of being outside of it like it is you feel like you are restricted in some way which is can be difficult but at the same time you can kind of communicate with people even without being able to talk sometimes oh, you can kind of yeah. which is an interesting like kind of realization right and you're like okay well this oh, yeah, connection is beyond language anyway uh, which well, is nice in, in you know Thailand, I, there's a lot of street vendors okay in Thailand and I went I was in this one kind of place outside of Bangkok uh, I forget the name of the Dong Mong uh, and uh, there's the banana vendor uh-huh. selling fried bananas <laughs> And I went to delicious fried bananas. And I went to, and it was amazing because she had like this motorcycle, you know, with like hot oil uh, <laughs> fryer attached to it, like a fat <laughs> oil, and she would take off. That seems dangerous. Just having fried goddamn <laughs> bananas, you know, and, and she was so amazing. But I went to see her every day, uh, the ten days I was there, maybe like the sixth day I slept in, and she was teasing me, you know, like. Oh, you slept in, huh? He's been sleeping. She made like a little gesture with her head, you know, down like, yeah, yeah, we laughed and everything. But we really began to communicate, you know, like, oh, you're eating a lot of bananas, you know, you're going to get fat, you know, <laughs> you know. It's amazing that that can happen, right? They're like, it's great. Like, right, uh, right, right. And she spoke no English. I think when I, like, no, yeah, not even really. When I was studying abroad when I was in college like I think the hardest thing was to me the hardest country for me was when I went to Poland mm. and uh, we thought we had a place to stay but it didn't work out but then this old lady on the street just somehow made it known to us none of us spoke Polish that she had a room in her house we could oh, rent nice. wow. and, uh, and, and and we did but it was but it was funny because every morning she would try to tell us what to do what we should be doing in the city this is in Krakow and she would try to tell us what to do in the city and she knew we didn't speak Polish so then she tried to talk to me in German and I was like I don't know I don't know why I was like designated as the person she was trying to talk to and I was like I don't know (laughs) German either but you know what she somehow we, we things would come across she'd be like yeah you should go see this and it would somehow come across right right yeah. No language connection, yeah, yeah. you know, like, ah, oh, you should go see the palace, you should go do these things. Right. Uh, which is an interesting thing, right? Like, so... Poland is tough now. I spent two weeks in Poland this round, and as a second time I've been Poland, that language is tough. That's <laughs> crazy. It's, it's, it's you know, crazy. It's, it's very tough. <laughs> you know, and I speak a bit now because I was uh, a dear friend from Poland, but just a very, I can say thank you and hello and, you know, a few words. But, uh, yeah, it's difficult. And, like, I can get, go anywhere in France and not have a problem. Anywhere in Mexico and not have a problem. You know, the romance. Romance languages like, are easier to deal with, but, you know. <laughs> Nothing. So, uh, speaking of language and travel and just, you know, talking about uh, trying to figure it out, you asked me, uh, well, may, well, you asked me in another dimension, another time, and another right. uh, fraction of this. Uh, <laughs> If well, what the what the issue uh, what what the uh, what it was like being in Montevideo yes, and, and being yeah. it being down there and, and and interacting with people and 
I think I kind of made it work. You know, I studied Latin in high school for three years, and I studied uh, four, uh, four semesters in college of Latin, and I was able to pick it up, you know, and uh, just really communicating in a basic level. And there were some people from uh, uh, Brazil, some Portuguese, more Portuguese-focused Spanish-type, you know, uh, uh, crossover, and that was, like, very difficult for them to understand. But right. I made friends through that world of poetry, the, the, the Mundial Portica, the, the World Cup of Poetry there. Right. That it's like they accepted me. They saw me as a poet, and I was introduced to them through Martin, and, and and he introduced me as this poet running a print shop. And but I was able to break through because it was the common language of poetry, and that's interesting too, you know. And that you listen to poetry and you can understand the delivery, of different mm-hmm. people, and how they deliver their work, and and how passionate they are, and the, you know the way that people read. You know, there's 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 yeah, things absolutely. that you can infer and yeah. pick up and. Peter Thompson would always say, eat the thing on the bar. You don't know that's maybe a little piece of ear cut up. Just eat it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Read the paper. Like, get right. into the, you know, like I could, I could be in an international grocery store for hours, you know. Right. And that's nice. But um, this project I'm doing for um, uh, uh, Carolina, okay, we're doing a little chat book. I just want to read you this poem because uh, it's called uh, Moon Tigers. Moon Tigers. They built an atmosphere on the moon, so to speak. They built walls and a roof over them, and inside they put air. Air for breathing and air for outfitting. What would also have been my objective, which is why I understand it, respect it, and thankful for it. Air so tigers could live there. They took all the tigers to the moon. They set them in their manufactured atmosphere. They put in other things. Everything that tigers, all 3,000 tigers could need. So the change wouldn't inconvenience them. It isn't enough for one, for no one, to kill them, to sell their skins or their blood or their fangs. Tigers also need food. And not just for food, but the killing of it. Does a wild boar die of natural causes when a tiger tears it to bits? Is death unnatural if its cause is instinct? Would it be so unnatural to yield to my own instinct and proffer myself to the tiger? They also took captives to the moon. I did all that was in my power. I explained that I had always known that I had made it to a decision too at some point that I am in my right mind and I want only to complete my life just as I saw it completed in all my dreams over the last 20 years that they, not I, had brought together all the impossible factors of my death and that there was nothing to turn back to now. I watched them shrink into the distance with the deer and the wild boar I howled my envy, my deepest envy, dying from sadness while those void creatures in space, stalked by tigers, died my death. Hmm. Moon tigers. And this was translated... From Uruguayan Spanish, Spanish to English by an English guy who lives in Berlin. Hmm. And I'm going to do the book here in New Orleans. Nice. International. International. But I think there's 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 something about that, right? The communication... but it's like that Buddhist story of the Bodhisattva who feeds himself to the starving tiger. Starving tiger, mm-hmm. yeah. There's something there. Yeah, I was stuck in a room, a, a small, tiny hostel room. Not St. Christopher's uh, hostel, but another love hostel, whatever. It was terrible. Oh, I think I stayed there before oh in Paris. It's pretty rough. Feet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Terrible. And so there were like four beds in this tiny closet. And one of the people, one of the, uh, 
the, the people in the room was from Brazil. She was a sweet woman from Brazil, not living in Ireland, but she didn't speak any English. Mm -hmm. I don't speak any Portuguese. But we made our way, and then we kind of cheated a bit using the phones. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's a nice thing. Yeah. But, you know, we made our way. It was good. We spent the whole day together. We, we explored Paris, and I walked her from, we took the, I don't know if we, yeah, we took a train, we got off in a certain area, and just walked along the river, the Seine, and everything. Had some coffee, you know, it was great. But, uh, yeah, it's a bit, it's, it, it, it's just something, you know, being, like I said, being such a, a devotee to language, such a, you know, I love it. I love being immersed in it. I love the written word. I love songs. And, and then when that's all taken from you, it's so, um, you know, it can be good. But also, yeah. like I said, I, I, I stayed in my room for a week in Bulgaria because it, it crippled me. But it's like, but, yeah, but no, I mean, it's, it's hard, but it's like, but I'm imagining that you're talking about that with this, with this woman who didn't speak English, and we all were still exploring the city together. Yeah, it's yeah, like, this is great, you know. And, but it's beautiful, and it's like, but there must have been a time before language existed, and how did people, I mean, that's no, like, you know, people to, interact. Yeah, telepathy and uh, sixth sense, I think. I, I tell that to, uh, you know, something I mentioned to uh, a, a, a new uh, um, someone I find a little uh, to be romantically appealing. Sometimes so I'm a man who thrives on instinct. So over the years, <laughs> this is a very intellectual pickup line. Well, I'm just saying, you know, it's like I've written about that. You know, the time before language, we would meet on the plains, and you know, you know, they, you know. <laughs> no, I like it, but that's hilarious. Well, that's like a... <laughs> you I think we depend on language too much. Yeah. No, well, it, so but it is true. Like, like, you know, yeah. But also, like, as, as actual devotees of language, it mm -hmm. also kills us sometimes the emptiness of how people use language mm -hmm. and being forced to be unable to use it maybe makes you understand the essentialness of it when you use it correctly. You one, know? one example that's been killing me, Black Lives Matter. All right. I think it should have been Black Lives Don't Matter. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first well, thing that pops into your head? They do matter. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So that should have been black lives don't matter. And then obviously they don't. But and and it would have been really hard for people to co opt that and say blue lives don't matter or Because instantly yeah. I say I react and I've thought about that for a long time because it's such a flawed thing. It's like been turned into like this horrible thing that like people rally against and you know, and and, and, and yeah. How do you rally you against it? it if you're saying? Well, then, yeah, well, yeah. It, it gets the point yeah. across. Yeah. You know, apparently they don't matter. Black lives don't matter in this country. <laughs> you know, and people are like, oh shit. It's hard to hit people with the opposite message of what you're trying to say and still be the the, the group that's yeah, trying to I say the opposite. Yeah, I think might be right. That maybe would be more effective. Yeah, because now it's in your head. Black lives matter. Oh no, no, all lives matter. Like, you know what? Black lives don't matter. 
You know, and then it's like, I think people's reactions would have been, no, of course they matter. <laughs> but why are you killing these people in the street if they yeah. really matter? You know? Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Kind of like MoMAD, Mothers Against Mothers Against Drunk Driving. <laughs> <laughs> MoMAD. I just made that up. I just made it up. It's like the Department of the Redundancy Department, you know? <laughs> anyway, that's, that, well, that's another thing with that. I just think that, that would have been a more effective way of communicating that idea. You know? Well, but that's, that's no, but that is a good point because, like, that—that's like a a good example of how sometimes we just take language and we're like, "All right, we've got this message we want, so let's just say it in this direct way." Mm-hmm. But that doesn't always work with language, right? Like that doesn't. <laughs> well, that's why we have wars. Uh, <laughs> like you don't get the message across you're trying to get across necessarily when you do that. Right. Uh, Right. So what's the point? You know, it's it's it's, it's hard. You know, it's it's not easy. But I was thinking of more just like everyday things where 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 you're how much of when you like okay, we're in our own city. When you talk to people, how much of the language of when you just meet someone for the first time? I mean, you get past that hopefully, but the beginning of it's always this really empty. Something, right? You Whatever don't have it a is. Common, so secondhand, you don't have a, a common. Until you find that space where you real, where where's a real commonality, you're just circling around, you know, the weather or the what's mm-hmm. going on or okay. whatever's happening until you hit on something real to talk about, right? Well, like I, how much of language is just empty all the time? Well, I have a housemate. She's from New York. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm going to go to bike ride downtown. And she's like, well, what is downtown? She said, you know, because it's not clear. Is the CBD downtown? Is the French Quarter downtown? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, we're hard to pin down. Yeah, both. <laughs> both. Both. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. Like, what is, it's not yeah. uptown. Downtown's not uptown. We're yeah, you're, downtown. we're in upper, we're in uh, the lower, we're in the lower, uh, the lower uptown. And we're and we know what well we're 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 central, the, central, we're central city. city on the the edge of the, go, the lower garden district. Central city is a relatively new term. Oh, I'd say it's twenty years old though, right? Yeah, but that's central that's city. pretty new though. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Relatively, yeah. But yeah, you're on the you're on the up you're on the you're, uh, you're on the downtown. You're you're sort of uptown. You know, you're on the uptown end of downtown. Right, right. <laughs> or the downtown end of uptown. But right. no, but no, yeah, right. right. It's Calliope, really. Is it? Some people say it's Canal Street, but, some, but it's really like it's really like the division. Oh, well, Canal for me is the French Quarter, and then you're yeah, you're in the quarter, right? Entering the CBD. Yeah, then you're downtown, and then when you hit past Calliope, yeah, that's when you're uptown. I'd say I'd say like once you hit Poydras. But downtown is really <laughs> downtown is really like Poydras <laughs> to Canal, and then from Chapatulas up to Claiborne. It's that. How about the French Quarter? How about... It's, well, you are downtown. I mean, even, yeah, the, even the Lower Ninth Ward yeah. is downtown because yeah, you're downtown yeah. New Orleans. You're not yeah. uptown. Lower Ninth Ward? No. That's no, the Ninth Ward. The Ninth Ward? It, until it, you're no. still downtown New Orleans. No, still... you got to be in the 7th or 8th Ward to be downtown. Okay, 7th or 8th Ward downtown. But what do you call that? It's just the Ninth <laughs> Ward. <laughs> 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 what, no, but isn't it like you're uptown or downtown? Isn't it like isn't it really half the city is downtown and half the city is uptown? Or you're in I, I wouldn't say that. Not no. really. 
But I mean, because our channel is not uptown. It's like Elysian Fields is the end of downtown, or is it like Esplanade? Well, is I it would Esplanade? say Irish Channel is now considered uptown, but it didn't used to be, which is confusing, right? It didn't used to be, but now it, it was is. Irish is his own thing. It was his own thing, but now it is considered uptown because it blended yeah, it together. But I don't know. The Mardi Gras Indians would know. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think yeah. they would. I think even they would have a disagreement. It depends on. Um, I don't know. They're pretty fierce about <laughs> those where you're from. Well, but war. well, okay, we could totally because all Mardi Gras Indians are either uptown or downtown. That's it. That's the only division. <laughs> In some ways, right? Yeah, yeah, uptown rulers. But uh, but that, <laughs> and, but then some of them that are uptown or downtown aren't probably geographically uptown or downtown, but they're in that tradition, which is a whole other thing. Yeah. Are you in the uptown tradition or the downtown right. tradition? You know, there's one that's a hybrid, <laughs> the '79ers game. one is from the Seventh Ward and one's from the Ninth Ward, so they got together. And then the All right, I didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, that's cool. New, new, yeah. Yeah. First time, because they break down by ward too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you start getting more granular, but then there's always that uptown, downtown. Are you 3D or are you 2D? Right, second board, third board, right? Are you 3D? No, but I mean, uh, just like your style of making your beating. Oh, really? Okay. Right? Is it 3D or is it 2D? Oh, right? Um, okay. That's like a big division. That's a division, okay. Of like style. And that's uptown, downtown. Right. Because I'm not, you know, I'm not New Orleans a native. I'm Louisiana native, but so it's all that. But yeah, it gets into these like really specific things. Yeah. I don't know where this got got a, a where we were going with the language, but you because you were saying your roommate was saying you said you were going downtown. Yeah. What does that mean here? What context is that? And it means different things everywhere, right? Yeah. Exactly. And then that's also a very American thing, right? Everywhere now, everywhere else, it's like. The center, the center, el centro, or whatever right, you know, right. like it's like uh, the center, yeah, the city yeah. center. But here it's a little funky. Yeah, downtown. Downtown. CBD. Downtown. What do you call it? Downtown. CBD. The That's the center. That's the central business district. And there's, right? yeah. there's the American sector. Of the American sector. Yeah. Well, you know, New Orleans have especially got confusing neighborhood. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. What part of town do you live in? Oh, I live in World War II Museum. That's <laughs> <laughs> about to be. That's what yeah. the, the entire CBD is about to be. The World War II Museum. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I heard I heard that they bought up that big lot next to Circle Bar, and that they own oh, they own Circle Bar. Oh. Uh, I heard. I don't know. This is like. Is a rumor. that true? I, this is a rumor. I heard that they it, they own the Ives Building, which we're working on right now, which is next to the the old library. <laughs> Then, which is next to the Confederate Museum, right? <laughs> they own the Ives building there, and then they own that big platform, that big, that big parking lot back there, and that they own the lot that Circle Bar's on, oh, and man. Circle Bar. And I that, and that Circle like, Bar, I've been told Circle Bar only has a couple years left. I hope this is like a Westworld scenario, and we're going to start having like uh, robots reenacting World War II era. That's the entire CBD. We've got, we're going to go live in like a... <laughs> I've been studying World War One. That is amazing. Sure. Yeah. I, well, I, I mean, it's more of it's, it's, Well, maybe except I think when it you does. talk about literature, World War One is much more important than World War Two, right? Like all One of the, my favorite poets is from World War but One. All of the literary turning points are about World War One. Mm-hmm. Really? Like Wilfred Owen is like my favorite. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
But like, but like, we're always talking about Dada and surrealism and all. That's a direct reaction to World War One. Like, that's all. Like, a World all War of. I think we do. Not, oh, do we? Yeah. yeah, I think there is one. In, not, in New not in New Orleans. No, not New Orleans. But where is it? I wonder. I don't know. If we had a World War One, we do it in the lakefront area. Well, you could have. You, you, you have. You have. You have. Uh, yeah, you, we could have it at the old. The old. <laughs> but, I mean, we, the military bases that down there. At the, very, the Ninth Ward. I mean, th- those are the mil- Those are World War One military. Oh, really? But you know what? What would just be a really funny thing to I'll do? Get working on is uh, we should wait till a time that there's a big thing going on in the World War Two Museum. And just get like a cart and do like a pop up World War One museum, oh, like that. right, right outside. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm all about it. Out front of the World War Two museum. Yeah, yeah. The pop up World War One museum. Yeah. Only if we, only if we, like, uh, only if we like. It depends on who's visiting from around the world, right? And then, like, it's, it's like there's a whack-a-mole game. You could, like, whack, whack yeah. Well, we should make it as ridiculous as possible, <laughs> like our pop-up World War I museum. <laughs> I know that there's a black pilot in World War I. They call him the Black Sparrow of Death. And he was black, and he, he flew for France. All right. right? And he had a kill. Um, or maybe a few kills. And then he... Left, you know, and, and bought a club in Paris. Okay, so World War II comes around, and he's a spy for the Allied forces because he <laughs> speaks perfect German. And the Germans are at his bar drinking the officers, and they don't think he can speak a word of German. And yeah. All the secrets, they can learn all the secrets. He's getting them drunk. And it's a real guy, it's a real person. It's amazing stories. Wow. Out. World War One, but you know, it's like, what's the deal with World War Two? It's like I know it's important. Well, it's because of. I mean, I mean, we know why, but I mean, yeah, in, in some ways, historically, it's probably less important, but and culturally, it's probably it's I mean, less important. Connected. But they are connected. But, but we, we, you know, it seems, seems like. But World War One is like the real transition to the modern world. That's the real loss of innocence. That's the real like. Uh, yeah. Oh shit! Human beings are terrible. We can't pretend they're not anymore, right? right? Uh. <laughs> I don't know how we uh, how we got to there from travel poetry, but <laughs> well, you know, we're talking about poetry, we're talking about the world, so. talking about the world, talking about the world. Well, I think we covered a lot of ground here. We did. We're rambling. We are rambling, I suppose. We're good at rambling. Well, Lee, thanks for having, uh, thanks for coming back in and and seeing you again. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. Stereo Joseph. Stereo Joseph, yeah. Stereo Joseph. Um, all right. So I guess we'll be back again next week. I don't know that we got anything too important coming up. Oh, well, but you should, if you're in New Orleans. I guess if you're in New Orleans, you want to come to the party, you can come to 1612 O.C. Haley next Saturday night from... Nine until midnight for Julia's birthday party and midnight till three for my party. Nice. And you have any shows coming up? Lee? <laughs> Nothing. No, no? No. I no. thought you were doing some kind of... Well, that's not a Lee Tiger thing. Oh. Wait. Bernard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on an opera. That's a whole nother... Okay. Oh, that's, that's a whole nother... That isn't... Isn't... About to be put on yet, anyway. Spring, it's spring. in the it's in the works. Maybe, it's yeah. in the works. Who knows if it will ever get put on? To be honest, 
but I'm, I'm hoping that it does. Well, I hope it does, and thank you for joining us today. Complete pleasure. And uh, hopefully we'll be visiting you in Bulgaria very soon. Yeah, it's possible. It's easy. <laughs> it's easy. All right. All right. <laughs> oh, I am a building burning. No one to put the fire out. I am an ocean drowning. With no one to show how I am a building burning No one to put the fire out Standing at the window looking Waiting for time to burn us down I am an ocean drowning no one really to show how They might get a little better air They might, they might if they turn themselves into a cloud Into a cloud I am a building burning with no one to put the fire out I am an ocean drowning No one really to show how They might get a little better air If they turn themselves into a cloud They might get a little better air they turn themselves into a cloud Blame it all on me Oh, blame it all on me I need a scapegoat now 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 do 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 I